Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, we're going to consider the words of Jesus this morning, which is always a good thing to do on a Sunday morning, consider what Jesus has to say. And so we've been actually in Matthew, it's sort of been our anchor um, text, uh, Matthew chapter 6 for this series that we're doing at the moment, but we're going to go to Matthew 7 and verse 24 this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We'll have it on the, the wall behind me. But Jesus says this, he's talking about your life and my life. In verse 24, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. What's the rock? A life built on Jesus' words. If you do these words of mine, he's saying. Then he draws a contrast in uh, verse 26. He says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, to build your house and to come into your house. And Lord, thank you that you love your people. And so, Lord, we just know that because we We see it in the resurrection. We see it in the empty tomb. We see it in all that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, Lord. We know that your heart is for people. So, Lord, it's with that spirit this morning. We come into your house knowing full well we're accepted here. Lord, that you love us just as we are. God, not some perfect version of who we are, but just as we are. So, God, we pray that your word would speak to us, Lord, that you would show us something new this morning, that you would help us build our lives on your word, and God, we thank you for Colonial Kids and everything that's happening in there this morning. We pray they'd all get out alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a party in Colonial Kids today. It's all in worship today, actually, if you didn't know. Um, but this is pretty special. We only do this probably once a month, I think. Is that right? Once a month? So, pretty cool. Well, we're in a series at the moment called Margin. A little goes a long way. And that's a kind of a, a tagline I just came up with because I thought, man, what is it about margin that ma- makes margin so good? I thought, well, if I've got margin in my life, it's a little thing. It's kind of like this, like I use the page as my example. It's this little thing in my life, but it actually helps me out so much. It's a margin is a little that goes a long way. And I came up with a description, and I love it if we could put it up on the screen. But this is what margin really is. Margin is the space that once existed between me and my own limits. My own limitations. See, we have a life, you have a life, and then you also have limitations in your life, and you were never meant to always go to the limits all the time. Yes, we're supposed to push our limits and try for more and believe for more and have sometimes seasons where we're going for it, but you were never meant to live that way week in, week out, day in, day out, in Jesus' name. So the first part of the series, and if you've you've missed these, can I just encourage you to catch up? Um, You can catch up on the podcast and also on YouTube. And um, the first part of the series, I was talking about 
a couple of foundational points about margin specifically. But one of them was this, margin is like a friend. Margin in my life is like a friend to me. It's always helping me out. It's always there for me. But to live marginless is not a friend. It's almost like a thief. I start saying things like this, where did all my time go? Where did all my money go? Where did the, the good things go? Because I got no margin left. So I talked about that in the first week. And then part two, last week, we talked about anxiety from Matthew chapter six and how God has actually called us to live with margin built in in our emotional world, our, our, um, our anxious thoughts. So we're actually supposed to have a, an element of margin built into our lives in this area. Did anyone enjoy that message last week, speaking specifically about mental health and and being able to recognize signs in our life and be able to, to add some practical things in. But today I want to, uh, I want to preach a message, and you can write the title down. Um, this is the, 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 the title of this week, part three, Build the Margin. Build the Margin. I want to speak specifically about money and resources in our life because God has called us to live with margin built in to our lives. I wanted to use an example on this whiteboard. I'm kind of excited to have the whiteboard back up again. It's been, been a good run. Does anyone like formulas? Understand formulas? Are you like me? I'm not really much of a visual person. Like if you asked me to draw a circle, it would be the worst looking circle you've ever seen. But if you asked me to draw a formula, I could probably, or, or come up with a formula, I could probably do that. But if we look at margin, I just wanted to explain how margin works. Margin is like this. If you, if you have a pretty simple formula, margin is like the power in our lives. And the power... We all have. So we all have some sort of power. Think about time. Time is like the available power. What, what the, the horsepower that I have, the, the availability of resource that I have, that's my power. And then to figure out what your margin looks like, you then have to minus your load. Okay? So your load is what's required of me. Again, using the example of my time or my resources, I've only got a certain amount of power, of ability... But then there's the load that needs to come out of my power. Like every single day, I've got my, my time's getting used. Every single month, my money's getting used. There's a certain load on my life. And once I minus my load from my power, I end up with my margin. And my margin is simply what's left over, positive or negative. But we live in a society today, and if we're not careful, I did that so big, now I have to... Now I have to That wasn't planned. <laughs> but we live today in a society, and I don't know if you've noticed this like I have, but we sort of get this the wrong way around, is we start with our load, and our load is, oh, okay, cool, it'd be great to have that, that thing and this thing and, and bring this thing into my world and have to now foot the bill for this and have to come up with this every single month, and I start my month day one, like today, December 1, man, I've got this mountain to climb, this is my load and then we go the other way around and try to subtract our power from our load. And then pretty quickly, we've got negative margin or nothing left at the end of the month. No ability to, for our power even to cover the load we have. See, God has never meant, he never meant for us to live this way. He wanted us to subtract our load from our power and have something left over. Have something available to use. Have something that's, that's readily there and not completely worn out. So I want to talk specifically about margin today in the area of our finances and the area of our resources. Is that okay this morning? 
And can I just encourage you, if you've grown up in a church environment where you're like, oh man, talking about money in church, can I just offer some pastoral advice? Just chill. (laughs) We're all family, everything's good, but God's got a lot to say about this particular area and we should always go to God's word for direction in Jesus' name. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 27 says, The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. He takes pride in what he's got. He takes pride. He, he makes good use of. He doesn't waste what's come into his world. And I want to talk today about this kind of thing. People today, they live overloaded financially. People today live overloaded with, with debt under the weight, the, sometimes the crippling weight of, of debt and absolutely no margin in this area. We live today in a great debt dilemma in our society, and it's just simply not biblical. Can I just say that again? We live with this great debt dilemma. It's so easy to access and add it in and, yeah, do it, whatever, it's fine, just grab it. But it's just not biblical. There's a lot of people out there today, especially, I believe, young people that don't understand margin, especially when it comes to finances. And I want to make this abundantly clear from the top, you know, that money and things are not successful keys for you in life. They're not the answer. It's an unquenchable thirst. You know, the Bible talks about not trusting in riches, not trusting in wealth, that it can be here today, gone tomorrow, that it can simply leave your life. But it's so important that we address these issues because often these are, these are issues of the heart and go so much deeper. So we're going to talk about it. But I love what Jesus does in Matthew 19. He, he encounters a man who's got a heart issue. He's the rich young ruler. That's, that's what we know him as in our Bibles. But he comes along to Jesus and he's, he's got resource. He's got ability. He can do things. And he comes up and he's interested in eternal life. And he says to Jesus, he says, what good deed have I got to do? What's it going to take for me to get this thing? See, this was a man who was well-resourced. He had money and he was used to, he was probably um, accustomed to just being able to pay and get whatever he wanted whenever he wanted it. And so Jesus has a little dialogue with him and I love that it's almost like he seasons him, gets him ready for the the sucker punch. (laughs) But he says this, he says, you've got to go do these things and you've got to, you know, honor your father and your mother and... But then the young man responds and he says, all these I've kept, what do I still lack? What's still go- it's almost like he's saying, what's, re- what's going on with me? What's happening to me that I still lack these things? And Jesus responds and says, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And this says that the young man, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. Jesus saw the impact that those things, that money was having on him and wanted to do something drastic with it. He wanted him to to die to it. He wanted him to cut off the cord. He wanted him to to be free from serving mammon, which is simply serving riches, serving things. See, Jesus isn't against you having money and he isn't against you having things. Here's the truth this morning, church. Having things is okay. It's just when those things have you, that's when it's not okay. It's when those things begin to take their, their, their control over you and begin to, you, all of a sudden it's about, about these things. I've met people that have, that have just, like they've got 15 cars. And I sit there, I'm just like, you can only drive one car. Right. Right. 
And I get it if you, you, know, you, you have a hobby and you know, you're fanatical about that. That's cool. And you know, that would sort of make sense maybe to have a couple of cars. 15 cars. I think it's more about the thing for you than it is about anything else. But Jesus wasn't against you having things. He was just against things having you. We live in a financially stressed society. There's financial overload everywhere. You know, we used to teach kids home economics. Does anyone remember home economics? Oh, yeah, a few hands. I caught the tail end of that, but it was like, let us teach you how to live your life. I don't know about you, but I kind of like those sort of classes. It's like, oh, this is actually pretty handy. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know how to balance a checkbook. Thanks for helping me you know, build a budget. Thanks for helping me understand what's, what it's going to take. But we used to, to teach our kids these things and something's changed and Scripture's got so much to say about this in our lives. So much to say. Proverbs 22. Let me show you this in verse 7. It says, The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. If we're not careful, we can come under the, the weight of debt in a way that it's like a, we're like a slave. Enslaved to this thing, our national debt. I don't really want to kind of go there, but you've got to kind of understand the big picture of society sometimes when, you, when you're getting things organized in your own life. But our national debt is out of control. It's crazy. And in researching for this message, I, I was reading and I was just blown away by just the amount of debt in our society, the crippling weight of it. Our national debt is huge, total consumer debt. Listen to this. In 2018, totaled $4 trillion. I can't work out how much that money is, how much all that is. That's a lot of money. But the most alarming thing was year-on-year increase was 7.6% in one year. Consumer debt had grown almost twice or even more than just the national GDP, what we make. See, in home economics, they would tell you, don't spend more than you make. It's a societal problem. It's the construct we're in. I want to pick on credit cards for a minute. Is that okay? I'm going to get the sledgehammer out for the credit cards. But the modern day credit card that we know about today, this is really interesting. This began to exist around 1950. And if you remember a message, the first message I did that doctors had only worked out or really started to diagnose and spend time uh, talking about stress from 1950. To me, um, that's not lost on me. The credit cards show up and then stress, you know, we start talking about stress, but look at what we've got now. More than 189 million people in America have credit cards. 189 million, and the average credit card holder has four cards. On average, each household has a credit card balance of just over $8,000 that's unpaid. And credit card debt, you would have thought in 2008 we'd learned our lesson. In 2018, we broke the previous record we set in 2008 of credit card debt of $1 trillion. We're now above that. And now I want to talk about student loans. This is a good one. This is my, this is my favorite one. Because we are now allowing our young people, the ones with the, fu- the bright future, the ones that are going to build the future, 
and, and, and take us forward. And now, sitting under the weight of student loans, now they estimate that the average student has $76,000 of student loan debt. One person, $76,000. The average. It's everywhere. We have ever-growing debt, ever-growing access to credit, and the result is it's eroding our financial margin. Here's the truth this morning, is God never meant for you to live that way. Crippled, under the weight of it. Financial margin is, is real, and God wants you to have it. So it's time to build some margin in. Is that okay this morning? Is it okay if I'm talking about this? Yeah. I know we're, it's a tough subject matter, but God's got a lot to say about it. Yeah, so the three points I've got this morning, I believe that well, they'll help you, and I believe you'll be able to take something away. You might be in here today, and you're like, you know what? I'm good. I have financial margin. I've got plenty of it. I'm, I'm happy. I've been down this track. Can I just encourage you? That's awesome. Good for you. Now you can be a blessing to someone else. But if you're in here today and you're like, you know what, this is me. I have this issue and I need to address it. Then I pray today that it would be a pivotal moment, that you would take something away and that you would allow God to speak to you. So point number one this morning, how do we build margin in this area of money, resources in our lives? Point number one is this, we've got to get the order right. We've got to put God first. We have to honor Him and put Him first. It's amazing when God is first, listen to me. It's amazing when God is first how everything else falls into place in a believer's life. These are the first steps in the journey of building financial margin is just to put God where God needs to be in our lives. This is what Jesus was talking about. We read it last week in Matthew 6 in verse 32. It says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. People love this verse because it's like, man, God said I could have it all. I'm going to have all the things. But what Jesus is actually saying, he's saying, no, 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 no. There's an order to it. The order is this. God first, then all these things. We've got to be putting God right where he needs to be. I'd love it if you could write this down. This is just truth this morning. I've said this before in our church, and I'll keep saying it for a long time to come. God may not be first in your life, but he is absolutely first. He may not be first in your finances. He may not be first in your resource, but he's still first. He still sits on the throne. He still is the one who created it all. He still is the one with the cattle on a thousand hills. God may not be first in my life, but he is still first. You know, I spoke the first week we did this margin series, I talked about rest, and I really couldn't have gone there without talking about Sabbath. Sabbath is, is the motion, the rhythm that God has called us to live, where we have intentional rest in our world. And I can't talk about resource, I can't talk about finances in our church without talking about tithing. Because putting God first, that's the act of tithing, it's an act of trust, but God is intended for you to live this way. We see it, it's in Malachi chapter 3. I want to read it to you, but this is an act of faith, an act of trust that actually is a double-sided blessing. It's a double-sided promise. And it's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 9. We'll put it up on the screen. This is God speaking to his people, but also through his people. And he says this in verse 9. He says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. I want to stop there and say this. This is the thing with your finances and my finances. They're cursed. It's like when we come into the world, we're born into a sinful nature. It's just, it just is what it is, but there is hope today. It says here that you are cursed with a curse. Verse 10, here comes the answer. 
bring the full tithe into the storehouse, which is what? God's house, that there may be food in where? My house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. The only place in the Bible God says, test me. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. There it is right there. It's a double-sided promise. So when God's correctly prioritized, look at what happens. I'm blessed, I'm not cursed. Because I've, I've put God first. He's in the right order. My finances are blessed. I'm assured of windows of heaven being opened up over my life and poured out, fulfilling my every need. But it's like the steak knife commercial. There's more. You get more for the $4.99 and shipping and handling. But you're blessed. You're not cursed. He pours out the blessing. But look at what happens next. This is why it's so important. He says, but then I'm going to protect you from the devourer. See, in the New King James, it actually calls it a he. It is the enemy. He wants to take you down, steal, kill, and destroy. And in the air of your finances, he wants to take you out. So God is saying today, test me in this. Trust me with the first. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you, but I'm also going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. And I don't know about this, probably people in here today, I want to prophesy this into your life, that you can trust God because if you put Him first, He blesses, but He also protects you. He puts a hedge of protection around you. Look at what it says. He says, I will rebuke Him so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. Your life will produce blessing and your vine in the field will not fail to bear. I, just, I heard this story this week. It just blessed me so much. It's this tithing testimony. I love getting these. But this guy in our church, love him dearly. He's a faithful guy. He's a business owner. And he, he shared this with He called me. He was in tears talking about it. He was so blown away. But he said that there was, they're going through a change in their family situation. He's a business owner. He's doing, doing life. And they're, they're kind of expanding you know, in their business. And, but they're in a situation with their family where they're going to have to go from a two-income family to a one-income family. Okay, so it's a big deal. He's preparing for it. He's always been faithful, tithing. He's always put God first. But he told me, he said, Matty, I just, I got to share this with you, man. He's like, when it came to tithing just recently, he's like, I just, I had that moment. And I think we've all had this moment where he's just like, I wondered if I needed this before I wrote the check, before I put God first, before I gave him the first 10% of, of what he brought into us. I, he's like, I just, I was fearful. And it's been a while since I've had that feeling because, you know, we're going from two income to one income and I'm worried about that amount of money not being there next year and all this sort of stuff. He's like, but you know what? I just had this moment. I was like, God, you, you haven't let me down yet. I'm just going to trust you right now. And so he writes the check out and he ties, he puts God first and he activates this promise in his life. He said it wasn't three days. Wasn't three days. He said his business partner called him. His business partner said, you're not going to believe what happened. It's amazing. I mean, this, is, this doesn't happen. He goes, our administrator, our third party that organizes all these other things that they have to pay a fee to, he said they called us and they're reducing the fees that we pay by 75%. And he says, you know what? I, I, I got my, my notepad out and I started to work it out. It, it equaled exactly how much they were going to lose from going from one income to two income. God is faithful. 
You put him first, it activates this promise in your life. God may not be first, but he's still first. And when we put him in the right order, it's amazing what happens. So point number one, put God first. Point number two, choose to do it God's way, not my way. You know, there's, some, there's something powerful about that moment in our own lives where we just realize, you know what, God, like you can just do it so much better than me. <laughs> I love finding myself in that place and just being like, Lord, you know what, you're actually really good at this. And I'm not that good at it. But we've got to choose because God's given us a choice. If you need margin in this area, you just simply need to begin to do it God's way. That's why I call this message, Build the Margin. Because you could wake up every day with 24 hours of new time, but when it comes to money and resources, you've got to start building it God's way. You've got to do what it says in Matthew 7. You've got to build your life this way on the rock. But God's way, friend, is not the way of this world. See, God's way is different when it comes to kingdom principles and economics. It doesn't line up with what the world is telling us to do. For example, God's way might sound like this, wait and pay for it. The world's way sounds a bit like this, enjoy now, pay later. See, God's way is different to our ways. He doesn't think the way we think, and he's got a different way of living when it comes to this. The world says things like this, just enjoy it now, grab it now, binge now and pay later. Oh, this is my favorite, better now, worse later. We live in a world that says, just, just, just have it now. Just have it now and you can, don't, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an issue, but just deal with it later. But God's way is different. God says, no, just wait on me. You can trust me. I have a way of doing things. But to live the world's way is in direct opposition of what God wants. Who here believes that God wants you to be happy? I think everyone should probably amen in that moment. But does God want you to be happy? Does he want you to enjoy the things he's given you? Does he want you to be excited and content in the things that he's brought your way? Because God's way is often the delayed gratification way, which is wait on me and let me give it to you. Perhaps the reason he wants you to wait to have it is because he knows then you'll actually value it appropriately. You know, the credit card companies and the mortgage companies and the, the, the whole buy now, pay later sort of thing. They've worked out the algorithm. They've got the system, the formula. They've got it down. You go and buy a brand new car, they know that in three to five years, you're going to start getting that itch again. Yeah. And if you're not careful, you're going to be turning around saying, you know, you know what, salesman, you're right. I would look good in that car. <laughs> I would look good driving that thing with the sunroof down. They know. They've got your number. Yeah. But that's not necessarily God's way. Right. That's not necessarily the way God wants you to go. The world's got an algorithm for your detriment, which is this, to keep you weighed down by debt, to keep you saddled by it. And I'm not saying that, that all debt is bad. I'm just saying maybe it's not God's way to go and get that right now. See, God's got a different algorithm for you, and it's in his word. You want to know what it is? Can I show it to you? God's got a different algorithm. It's in First, First Timothy chapter 6. 
Paul says this about some, some issue going on. He says there's constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But he goes on, he says, but godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain, great addition, margin for me. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. God's got a way to do it. God's got a formula for you. God's got a plan for you. So we're called to do it God's way, but how can we? Here's a couple of things I'd love for us to write down. Okay, has anyone been enjoying the practical how-tos in this message? It's not a full list. Obviously, this is stuff that I just believe kind of are important, are practical, and maybe things that you can apply, but I believe they will help. So I've got a few for us. I've got, I've got eight this morning. That's a, that's a good number right there. Eight. That's just like moving forward. Eight. Number one, tithe and don't stop. If you want to build margin in your world, just tithe and don't stop, ever. There have been times in our seasons, Jill and I, where we have tithed and we have not tithed. And I know exactly what I want to do. I know exactly where I want to be. I know exactly where I want to live. I want to live under that blessing. I want to live knowing full well I have that economic protection in my life, that security, knowing full well. So tithe every dollar God gives you. God's got to be in the right order for the rest of your life to be in the right order. So that's number one. Number two, watch Pastor Matt's manager. See, oh, wow, how did that get in there? You guys are tricky. I put that in there. If you haven't watched the manager series, can I encourage you? Go and watch it. It's a series about stewardship. It's a series about managing, being a faithful, wise manager of what God has given you. Number three, have a battle plan. Build a budget. Have a battle plan. So many people, they just don't have a plan. They don't have a, a battle plan. How am I going to win this battle? How am I going to move forward in this area? But build a budget that has margin built in. There's so many great resources online. Dave Ramsey's got great stuff. There's another great app called Mint you could use where it tracks things and it helps you stay, stay focused. But it's a battle plan. You've got to have a plan to go into battle. Number four, follow the map, which means stick to the plan. Stick to the budget. Keep going in the direction. See, you could have the best budget in the world, like the formulas, like the best formulas, the color-coded columns, the yellows and the greens. You can have it all. But if you don't stick to it, there's no point in doing it. If you don't stick to the plan, keep moving in the direction. You've got to have a plan, but you've got to stick to it. You've got to follow the map. Here's a good one. Live well below your means. I'm going to go there. Because this is what we, they used to teach us in home economics class. They'd say, live below your means. But you know what great stewards do? They live well below their means. Because it builds margin quickly. So what does that mean? It means whatever you've got to do in this season you're in, it might mean that you need to, to get good at sort of getting your costs lower. Maybe it means you've got to do the coupon thing for a while. Maybe it means that you've got to spend some time in the kitchen getting ready for some leftovers that you need to have in the following week instead of just going and using your margin. But we're called to live this way. It builds margin. I love that 
You know, there are even places that I go now where I'm sort of like in this rhythm. I know I need to go to this place to get this thing. And there are ways if we think about it, if we plan for it, if we have a plan, you can actually prepare for it. And what I find in my own life is if I don't plan for it, I don't prepare for it, guess what gets used? My margin. My margin gets eroded because I haven't planned. I haven't had a battle plan. Here's a good one. Number six, discard the card. No more fishing on credit. But there, it's funny, you know, we laugh, but there are so many people that live their whole lives on credit cards. And you've got to just discard the card for a season, get it under control. You've got to get good at just saying, no, we're not going to use it. We're not going to do it. One of my favorite things right now, I take personal enjoyment in handling this situation. But when I get the, the, the phone call from the credit card company, and by the way, if you work for credit card companies, I love you. It's not against them. No, no bad will. Come back to church next week. Um, but I love this one. They call me and they say, Mr. McClory, how are you today, sir? And I say, well, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for calling me Mr. McClory. You're making me feel good already. And they say this. They say, we have noticed that you've been making all your payments on time. And they say, you know what? We've noticed that you pay off your balance every month. We've noticed this. And man, my shoulders start to go back. And I just feel like I need to do up my top button. And man, this is great feedback right now. And then they say this. They say, we've noticed all this. And what we're going to do is we're going to increase your credit limit. We're going to raise it by $2,000. And I take personal enjoyment in saying to that person that calls me, you know what you can do right now? I never told you to increase my credit. You can, increase, you can decrease it right back to where it was. I'm not going into my margin. I'm not going to let you steal my margin. And we need to take control because they, they've got the number. They know what to do. And it's amazing how easily it happens and we don't allow it. If we don't have a plan, if we don't have the practicals there, we can so easily allow it to come in. But you've got to discard the card. Say no. Here's a good one. Number seven, question the Why? Why do I think I need this? Do I really need this? Can I go without it? Can I save some money here and just wait for it? I, like, I wrote this thought down. And I just want us to think about it. But what if we just got better at sharing, borrowing, and lending? That if there was some resource in my life, I'd just make it available for someone else to use. Someone called me the other day and they were just joking about how they're going to have to go spend a significant amount of money to go buy this thing that they need at Christmas time. They're like kind of joking, huh, Merry Christmas to me, I've got to go buy this tool. And I, I've got that very thing in my garage. And I said, why don't you just take mine? I said, forget about it. Just, just, just come and get it. But what if, we would, what if we were like this, where the resource that we have, we unlocked it for other people. We made it available and... Instead of just rushing out and getting it because we think we need it right now, maybe if we thought, oh, maybe this person will just let me use it for a moment and then I can just give it back to them. But question the why in your life. It's kingdom thinking. Number eight, get good at waiting. This is hard. Why? Because the payoff is greater. You know, if you just go and get it straight away and God says, wait, you know what you're doing? You're saying, God, I'm not waiting on you. And what you've given me is not enough. And I, I'm not going to live on the provision you've given me. I'm going to go over it and I'm going to take matters into my own hands. 
We've got to get good at waiting. Young people today, don't mortgage your future. You know, the experts, and I'm not an advisor, a financial advisor at all, I'm a pastor, but there are experts out there say, don't go over 40% for your housing costs. Young people, don't mortgage your future. Don't find yourself in a place where it's like, I can't do anything else. I can't even, I can't even buy gas because I'm paying for this massive mortgage I've got. Don't mortgage your future. Give yourself some margin. It's a good thing. Get good at waiting. We've got to get good at waiting. Because God's timing is perfect. And if you want something, you desire something, then God has the perfect time for you to have it. And if you can't have it right now, you should just get alone with God and say, God, why can't I have this right now? And He'll probably tell you. He'll probably make it clear that it's not meant to be right now because He's got something better in Jesus' name. So number one, we've got to put God first. Number two, we've got to do it God's way. And team, you can come back up. But number three, oh, this is my favorite. We've got to trust God with an open hand. Why? Because margin blesses other people. I love this quote, and maybe you could write this quote down, but God is honored by funnels, but dishonored by sponges. I read that quote in Bible college when I was in seminary and I was like, man, you know what? I want to live my life this way. He's not honored by dead ends. He's honored by funnels, by rivers of blessing, by open channels, by open hands with people. There's resource in someone's hand, but their hand is open because they know God put it there. He put it there. So therefore, he'll keep putting it there. And I'm going to keep my hand open because if someone in my world needs it, I want to make it available for them. Trust God with an open hand. Allow Him to work through you. You know, your life, listen to me, friend, I want you to listen to this. Your life is meant to be a river of blessing, not a dead end of your own provision. Your life is meant to be this living, flowing ecosystem where life is constantly flowing through it. And you make your blessing available for other people. In Proverbs 11, Verse 24, it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. This is kingdom. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. This is kingdom thinking. One gives freely, yet what? Grows all the richer? You know, there's an attractiveness to people that have financial margin, any margin. There's this attractiveness. When the people of God have margin built in, there's this attractiveness as people come close and they're like, man, you've got time for me. Man, you've got, you'll talk to me. You've got emotional capacity for me, even financially. Wow, you've got something for me. One of, one of my favorite stories that our pastor, my pastor used to tell me, was his pastor would always carry around three $100 bills in his pocket. And I don't know about you, but like, if I set time aside and I figured it out, I could probably do the same thing. But that three $100 bills in his pocket, he said to God, whenever you tell me to give it, I'll give it. Story after story of being in restaurants and encountering people. And God says, that person, that person, that person, that person, that person. He's got stories of people being on vacation with their family and not having any money left at all. God's blessing. God's channel of provision. What's his river? What's his... What's his funnel look like in your life and my life? 
There's an attractiveness when the people of God have margin built in. There's an attractiveness. There's this sense, I believe, it's almost like a magnet. So not only do we give the opportunity to talk to people about resource and blessing and, hey, let me help you with this. Let me give you this. But, hey, while we're talking about it, do you know Jesus? Have you come to church lately? Can I, can I invite you to come? That's the whole point. The nation of Israel was blessed to what? Be a blessing. So I just want to encourage us today. Let's live this way. And I want to finish with this one scripture. You can put it up on the, on the screen behind me. It's in 1 John chapter 3. But it says this. It says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? This is why we do this. This is why we tithe. This is why we give. This is why we build margin in. Why? Because there are people that need God's love. There are people that desperately need to hear the gospel message. And if we got nothing left, we got nothing to offer, nothing to give, but God is calling us all to build margin in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.